0: We're doing something a little bit different. I went into the sermon laboratory to experiment a little bit. And with kids being in here for Family Sunday, we're going to try to make it a little bit more interactive, invite kids into the process. Um, But I'm still preaching. So we'll see how that all works out. Now, we are kind of in the intermission period of... uh, of our sermon series, and by that I don't mean that you get to go to the concession stand and get drinks and snacks and stuff like that, but rather we're sort of at the halfway point of our study on Elijah, so I thought it would be fun to do this kind of interactive sermon, but also one that looks back at what we've seen in our study so far. So that's what we're going to try for tonight. Stand if you're able for the reading of God's word. We're going to go back to the beginning, to where we started, and then also sort of a key verse that's sort of cast its shadow over the whole thing. Starting in 1 Kings 17.1, God's word says this. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him. Uh, excuse me, I kept reading past verse 2. Let's uh, flip to James 5.17 now. And we're going to add this verse to it as well. wrong place in my Bible. Let me read it from here. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to him. Let's pray. Father, this evening I ask that the words of my mouth would be pleasing in your sight. And I also ask the meditations of all of our hearts, both adults and children, would be pleasing to you and affected by your word. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for standing. You guys go ahead and be seated. So the passage that I read tonight, very brief, but it brings us back to the main key theme that we've tried to take away in this Elijah study, and that is that Elijah is a man with a nature just like yours, just like mine, just like our children in here. He's not a superhero. He's not this holy, exalted prophet that's head and shoulders above the rest of humanity. Nor is he some angelic being. He's just an ordinary guy who trusts God. And God delights to use those people. He delights to use people like you and I, but like I said, our children. Did you know that, Benji? That God would delight to do great things through you when you trust and believe in him. That's what the story of Elijah is telling us about. He's a man with a nature just like ours. Now, what are some of the amazing, incredible, wonderful things that God did through the man like this? Well, that's where we're going to get interactive and where I need your help. So, we're about to break up into some groups, okay? I want families to stay together. So, moms and dads, if you have young kids in here, you're going to pow up with your family. And moms and dads, you're going to lead this time, okay, with your family. If you're like me and you don't have children here, maybe you're not married, it's okay? Group up with people close to you in a group of like four, five, six people, but we're going to kind of be in little pods, moms and dads leading their family, everybody else being together with close to your neighbors, and we're going to talk about this, the scenes in the life of Elijah. Don't do it yet, Nancy, but when I give Nancy the cue, she's going to be showing us some pictures from different scenes of the life of Elijah. And if you're a mom or dad with, with kids in here, what I want you to do is ask them to describe to you what they see on the picture, okay? What's going on in the picture? What's happening? And then, moms and dads, I want you to coach them about what is, it is that they're seeing in the life of Elijah. If you don't know, that's okay because we're going to review it together in a second. But that's what I want families to do, moms and dads with their children that are in here. Now, if you're together in a group of adults, that might be something that you knock out really quickly. So I'm going to have an extra question for you. Once you identify the scene, I want you to talk amongst yourselves about one takeaway that you have from that story in the life of Elijah. Maybe something you heard in the sermon when we went through it. Something that you noticed just in your own private reading, but something important, a key takeaway from that moment in the life and times of Elijah, all right? Not if you get the project, all right? So pod up in your groups, in your family units, moms and dads with your kids. All right, you ready? Here's your first scene. All right. Okay, kids, what do you see here? What do you see described? Describe it to your moms and dads. All right, just a few more seconds. All right, y'all. Tell me, what's going on here? A bird with a ribeye steak. That's right, Noah. The birds are giving Elijah food. That's wonderful. You can go to the next slide, Nancy, that has. This is Elijah in hiding when he's fed by the ravens. Now, hey, some of you adults that were talking about what you took from this passage, what did you come up with? What was God teaching through this? What do you think of Noah? Maybe something about provision? God taking care of his people? Hey, don't be shy. This is a no-judgment zone, y'all. Anybody can answer. Okay, I'm going with Arrow. Trust in the Lord. He takes care of your needs. That's a great takeaway for that, Arrow. Okay, guys, here we go. Next scene. Ready? Kids, describe what you're seeing to your parents here. Adults, try to identify this scene. Remember, adults, I want you to think of a takeaway from this, too. All right, guys, you're doing good. I love seeing... Parents and kids talking through this. All right, let's do it. What do you see? What do you see, boys and girls? That's right, Ricky, let's go. Elijah is given the power by the Lord to run past King Ahab. That is correct, sir. Now, adults, you tell me, what was a what was big takeaway on this moment? What was God teaching through this scene anybody remember this is the part where my heart gets broken as a pastor <laughs> okay God can use us in mighty ways for his glory I love that Marianne. anything any other thoughts provide the impossible, provide the impossible? What, what do we have Bonnie was that you Led by led by him. Yeah, actually, that's a, Bonnie, a great word. This is sort of a symbolic picture of the prophet of the Lord. That is the one who stands for the word of the Lord leading people, not the other way around. Okay, let's do one more. Or actually, we've got a few more. What's this going on here? All right, speak among yourselves, guys. What is this scene? Boys and girls, describe to your parents what you see here. Alright. Let's hear it. What'd you come up with? Oh. Uh what do you got, Benji? They had such little food and then and then every time they keep running out and they went more and more every time. That's right. Good job, brother. Benji said they had such a little food, but every time they got close to running out, they had more and more because God provided for them. This is the widow of Zarephath, her oil and flour that would not run out from 1 Kings 17. What was a big takeaway that you guys remember from this episode? Pastor Brian preached on this one. Whether we are in abundance or lack, the Lord is still our God provider. Amen. Whether we're in abundance or lack, he provides... Was that notes that you would take? Oh, Josh. Oh, my word. If you want to know my love language, that's it. Sermon notes. Those are, that's my love language right there. Oh, even though it was from Brian's sermon. Uh, so. All right, I got one more. One more. You can do it. Families, adults, your pods, your groups, discuss. What do you see here? What is this? This is the most abstract one of all. Just a second. All right, just a few more seconds. All right. What did you see? What's going on here? I see Benji and Noah's hands, but I'm going to see maybe there's another uh, student that would like. Oh, I see Mr. Wynn raising his hand. What do you got, Wynn? That's right. The angel's helping Elijah, right? Yeah yeah. He actually kind of is. He's so upset and afraid and in despair. He lays down under the broom tree to die, but God sustains him with the angel. Great job, win. Well what's a takeaway? This is the last one I'll ask you that you had from this moment as we studied this scripture. Yeah. What you got, Altie? Sorry, Jordan. (laughs) Yes. All right. He has this limited understanding, but God's beyond his limited understanding. That's great. And also, this is the place where I shared with you that I just felt like Elijah was so human because he goes through this full range of emotions. You know, we said just a second ago that Elijah is a man with a nature just like ours. And our main takeaway from that is that he's just a normal guy who trusts God. But a scene like this reminds us he's also a guy that goes through the full range of emotion. He's joyful in one moment and sorrowful in the next. He's confident in one moment and doubting and in despair in the next. He sees it all. So, with that being said, we're going to go into our final scene. But it's not one that I want you guys to guess on. It's one that I want to show you a story with. And so, hey, this, this week I found a story. Well, I didn't find it. My friend Nathaniel Wyan, one of our ruling elders here, recommended to it. And his mom, Becky, found it. Um, but I loved it. And so we've got the pictures from this story up on the screen. And I specifically wanted our boys and girls in here to be able to see these pictures as I read this last account of one of the scenes in Elijah's life. It's when he's on Mount Carmel and he goes toe-to-toe with the priest of Baal. So boys and girls that are in here, I want to make sure that you're close enough to see this because it's got some really, really interesting illustrations that I want you to pay close attention to. All right, I'm gonna read us the story. Miss Nancy, you've got the book that goes with it, right? So you can follow or flip along as we need to. Let's go ahead and flip to the first page. There are all sorts of contests. Spelling contest, singing contest, sewing contest, sporting contest. But this book isn't about any of those contests. It's about the God contest challenged to find out who the real God was. Now Ahab and Jezebel were king and queen of Israel. They thought Baal was the real God. There he is on the left-hand side, that big yellow guy. They said Baal made food grow. They said Baal made babies grow. They said Baal was super powerful. Loads of people joined Team Baal. But Elijah, over here on the right, he was just... An ordinary guy. He told the people of Israel that Yahweh was the real God. And that he was one of Yahweh's messengers. Elijah said Yahweh had made everything and ruled everywhere and loved everyone. He said Yahweh had rescued their great, 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 grandparents from Egypt. He said Yahweh had given them their land and their laws. But not many people joined Team Yahweh. Most people didn't know which God to believe in. Maybe Baal was the real God. Maybe Yahweh was. Maybe both of them were. Maybe neither of them were. How could they decide? Elijah had a good idea. It was time for a contest on a mountain called Mount Carmel. All the people came to watch the God contest. Elijah said this to them. How long are you going to take to make up your mind? If Yahweh is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. It's time to decide. Elijah explained the rules. I'll chop up some wood, and some people from Team Baal can chop up some wood. We'll each put a dead bull on our wood. Then they can ask Baal to prove himself, and I'll ask Yahweh to prove himself. The God who can set the bull on fire, he's the real God. He'll be the winner of the God contest. So Tim Baal went first. 450 of them shouted to Baal. They kept shouting to Baal. They shouted to Baal for hours. Nothing happened. They danced around their wood. They kept dancing around their wood. They danced around their wood for hours. Nothing happened. Maybe you need to shout louder, Elijah teased. Maybe Baal is busy thinking. Maybe he's on the toilet. Maybe he's away from home. Maybe he's asleep. Team Baal shouted louder and louder and louder from lunchtime till nighttime, they shouted. No answer, no fire, nothing happened at all. Now it was Elijah's turn. He was the only one on Team Yahweh. He dug a trench around the wood. He poured water all over everything until the trench was full and everything was completely wet. There was no way it could be set on fire. Then Elijah spoke to Yahweh. God, please make it clear today that you are the true God. Please answer me, Yahweh, so that all these people will know that you are the only real God and that you want them to follow you and love you. And then, what's that? fire the fire burned the bull the fire burned the wood the fire burned even the water the people knew who had won the god contest then yahweh is god they shouted yahweh is god but king ahab and queen jezebel didn't like the result so they decided to carry on following the made-up god baal the people soon forgot the result too They didn't remember that Yahweh is the real God, the only God, the God who made everything and rules everywhere and loves everyone, the God who sent fire on the mountain. For hundreds of years, not many people joined Team Yahweh. But then it was time for another God contest. This time, Yahweh did something even more amazing. He didn't send fire. He came as a human. Jesus. Jesus said that he was Yahweh. Jesus showed that he was Yahweh. But people weren't so sure. Maybe Jesus was the real God, but maybe he wasn't. Maybe there were lots of gods, or maybe there was no God at all. How could they decide? It was time for a final God contest on another mountain called Mount Zion. Jesus explained the rules. I will come back to life after I have died. Then you'll know I'm Yahweh. And then I'll give life forever to everyone who is on my team. So Jesus let people kill him on a cross. Jesus was placed in a tomb on the side of the mountain. He was completely dead. There was no way he could ever be alive again. And for three days, nothing happened. It looked like Jesus had lost the God contest. But then, life. Jesus rose back to life. Jesus had a body that worked. Jesus could live forever. The God contest was over. And now lots of people knew that Jesus was the real God. The only God. The God who made everything and rules everywhere and loves everyone and could give them life forever. And now lots of people said, Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is God. Sorry, we cut off the edges of the picture a little bit. That's on me. Now lots of people joined Team Jesus. But not everyone did. Some people didn't like the result. Some people still don't. Some people didn't remember the result. Some people still don't. But Jesus did win the God contest. Jesus did rise back to life from the dead. Jesus did prove that he's the real God, the only God, who wants everyone to follow him as their ruler and love him as their rescuer and enjoy life forever with him. So everybody has to make up their mind. Will they join Team Jesus? What will you decide? The end. What did you think of the book, boys and girls? It was a good one. I should do this every week for my sermon, shouldn't I? (laughs) That was an enthusiastic yes. (laughs) I love this book not only because I feel like it's a beautiful one that engages all of us in here but because it leaves us with the thing that I want to kind of conclude our intermission with and that is of all that we've learned about Elijah and these narratives about his life the primary purpose of what God did through him is was to point us to Jesus Christ and what he did in his death and resurrection Elijah goes after the priest of Baal on the contest on Mount Carmel, but Jesus on that hill called Golgotha proved definitively that he is fully God, that he is the defeater of sin and death and the devil, and that any who commit their life to him in faith have the hope of eternal life and forever with him. That's what the Elijah narratives are all about. Let's pray, and then we'll head to the table. Father, Thank you for showing us Jesus, even in these stories of the Old Testament. Thank you for the way that you speak to us through your word. And we pray now that as we take this meal together, you would preach to all of our senses the gospel of grace. It's in the name of Jesus we ask. Amen.